Noah built the ark, and so keeping in mind that uh, the decline of society and the culture and uh, the deterioration of man and man's uh, conviction and man's conscience and man's morality was uh, was on the decline as Noah was raising his uh, boys his, that were born. Uh, and this is why the Bible uh, refers to them as his sons because Noah raised them with the standards that he had. And we know that uh, uh, they followed that uh, those standards, which is what made them sons, which is part of that. And so, uh, uh, you know, we talked about how that the Bible doesn't specify, but there had to be persecution. There had to be opposition, uh, not only for Noah, but for Noah's sons. And so that made it even uh, uh, more, uh, Noah stand out even more because he had to allow his sons to take that persecution as well. So he didn't back down on his morals and his uh, thoughts and his standards just because his sons were uh, were being persecuted or they had to deal with the opposition as well. We talked about how the ark was really a square wooden box. It was not really shaped, rounded like a boat that we perceive, but the, by the dimensions it was more of a square wooden box. And then we talked about how that on the day that Noah and his family entered into the ark on that self-same day, which is uh, the Hebrew word self-same is the Hebrew word etzim, which is the Hebrew word for bone. Remember that? So it's the same uh, it's the same word that's used when Adam said of Eve, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so we talked about how bones support us, allow us to stand uh, erect, allow us to stand in a position. So on the bone of the day. So uh, uh, Noah uh, did not sneak in the ark at night, but Noah went in with that inner strength right on the bone of the day. Uh, because he had the assurance that he had been obedient and that God said that he was going to uh, uh, take care of Noah and he trusted that. So uh, he entered that uh, the ark with that inner strength and uh, facing all of those that mocked him. Now remember the Bible says up until the flood came, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So there was no decrease in, uh, in the world's and uh, what the people were doing. So there was no decrease in that. So as the floods began to come and as the water began to rise, they, uh, up to that point, they were uh, uh, doing uh, their own thing. But Noah entered in. So we talked about how that action is key. It's not just words. You can't just talk the talk. You can't just talk about building a boat, but you've got to build an ark. You've got to make sure that you and your family are safe within uh, the mercies of God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so, uh, fathers, husbands, you have a great responsibility to make sure that your family and your wife and your children, your grandchildren, uh, as much as possible, are safe within that ark, or at least they have the safety of that ark to come to, right? They make their own decisions, I understand that. Uh, uh, so, uh, again, action is key. So we can't just talk about building a boat. we got to get there, and we got to do it. we got to be about the Father's business. Now, we talked about the measurements of the ark and how that 
Uh, God gave the measurements of the ark, but it showed God's mercy uh, in, in uh, not just uh, uh, how uh, big the ark was supposed to be, but based on the two words for uh, uh, when talking about God as a God of mercy. We talk about uh, he is Jehovah, right? And then he is Adonai. And so uh, we, we talked about how when, we, when, they talk, when these names are used, it's attributed to God's mercy and the numerical value of these letters, uh, of each of both of these names, that when uh, you, they are a product of God's mercy. And so when, you, uh, when we multiply the value of each letter uh, of these two names, we came up with the exact dimensions uh, of the ark that is in the Bible. So we see the ark was not just a boat. It really wasn't the ark that saved Noah and his family, but it was God's mercy. It was the mercies of God that saved Noah and his family. Okay, so uh, when push comes to shove, we've got to rely on God's mercies. When, when everything is falling apart and when we're in a storm, we have to have the confidence that the ark is going to keep us through every storm that we go through, right? We, we reiterated that our inner strength comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? So that is our inner strength. It's not anything that we do, but it is Christ in us because our flesh is weak. We would be basar, right? We would be in the same position that the people were in when the flood came. So uh, that's kind of the highlights of what we spoke about what we talked about last week. And so uh, uh, seeing that how that uh, uh, God is a Savior, right? And he demonstrated that through sending Jesus, right? He sent Jesus, uh, and we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. So he sent Jesus, the Word made flesh, wrapped uh, in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, with the purpose of becoming a man, the sacrifice, because he was the Son of God. And so... Uh, that is our security. He is our ark of safety, and we've got to be in him, and we've got to make sure that we, uh, we do that. So let's look at, read our text in Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39, the words of Jesus. Uh, he said, but at that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So up until that day. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Try to wrap your mind around that. That they were all in their elements, celebrating, uh, doing their thing, right in the, the midst and the uh, epitome of their sin and their fleshly ways. When all of a sudden, without warning, the flood rose and they were taken out of there. So uh, that's how Jesus said, that's how it will be at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, I, we've got to be ready. We've got to make sure we're ready. Young people, you've got to take your relationship with the Lord serious. You can't be one thing in here, something else outside of here. You've got to establish, and as difficult and as 
uh, uh, trying as it is, it's not impossible. You're surrounded by a lot of witnesses, by a lot of people who've been where you're at and, and know exactly what God can do. So when we look at how God saved Noah and how that Noah and his family were kept safe from uh, uh, from the destruction, uh, uh, we see that God isn't just a lifesaver that we reach for when we're drowning, right? In the days that we are living right now, in our current days, uh, uh, we're living in such a time of great confusion and a time of, uh, of turmoil and uh, sometimes the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. Sometimes it is just like that. God, God isn't just a lifesaver uh, when we're drowning. He's not just someone that we reach out to when we are when everything is falling apart, right? But uh, He is someone uh, that we trust and that we put our faith in and that we serve and we give our our life and our will to on a daily basis. Because we can see in the beginning of the Bible that things are presented to us with a whole lot of clarity. We can see with clarity in the beginning, amen, uh, that things are presented to us. But uh, and, and although in this final analysis uh, uh, that Noah is truly a recipient of God's mercy, he has not been randomly selected. Noah was not just randomly selected, nor has the world... Uh, nor was the world randomly slated for destruction. It wasn't just something that was random. There was a process. There were things that established the favor of God over Noah's life. There were things that established the necessity of God destroying the earth and the people uh, on the earth and uh, renewing and doing. So uh, we, we can look at and how we can go back after over these few weeks that we have been in this study. And we can see the series of events that uh, ended with reducing the world back to the chaos. Remember uh, in the beginning, our little jar, how uh, that we had a pattern. But uh, when things got shook up, there was no way to get that back to a specific pattern no matter how much we shook it. Uh, it would arrive at some kind of pattern, but it would not be like it was. It would be, be chaos. And so uh, uh, we see through, uh, uh, through studying that Noah resisted the trend and he remained faithful to God's path. Look at your neighbor and say, stay on the path. Stay on the path and remain faithful. Remain faithful. Stay on God's path. I think right now it is probably, uh, and you know the Bible speaks about and tells us that the love of many would wax cold and the hearts of men would fail them uh, in these last days. And I know that the struggle is real. I don't say that lightly. I understand that the spiritual warfare is intense and it is magnified and it feels like some days that from every direction, everything has been released in your direction, right? That it's got to be all coming at you. And somebody else is getting relief because it feels like it's all coming your way, right? Anybody else feel that way? Uh, and so I understand that. But we got to remain faithful to God's path. Remember that it was not a piece of cake for Noah. That this was not just... Uh, some fly by night, 120 years, Noah worked and he built the ark and he remained faithful to God. He raised his sons and uh, he taught them in the midst and, and there was no one else. 
Talk about being by yourself. There was no one else. Not even his father. Not even his in-laws. No one else decided to remain uh, faithful and consistent. So we, we've got to act in a way uh, that has us seeking God for mercy. Right? We have got to, uh, to uh, seek Him for mercy and not like some empty-handed beggar. We're not some empty-handed beggar, but we've got to uh, be like people who have credibility when we go before God. we got to know that it's by His mercy that we are here and that by His grace He has saved us and that we are only worthy by what Jesus has done for us. And that is our credibility. we got to go before God not begging and not feeling uh, less than what we are, but we got to go before him and understand that it is his mercies that has saved us. It is his mercy that keeps us. It is by his mercy that we are here. And the Bible tells us, right, that his mercies are new every day. So yesterday's mercies are done. Yesterday's mercy is over. And God doesn't keep track, right? We, today's mercy is new. So we, we got to have some credibility when we go before God. We got to know who we are. We got to know who He is. We got to know uh, why we're going before Him. We got to understand our place with Him, okay? And so uh, Noah did so by not falling into the same trap as uh, his father and his father in law, those two Lamechs, uh, as we refer to them as. Uh, Noah didn't fall into that trap. But Noah understood that you cannot separate benefit from responsibility. You can't be blessed without the sacrifice. You can't walk in the favor of God without giving of yourself to the covenant. You can't do it. Noah understood that you can't separate benefit from responsibility. I want you to get that for tonight. You can't separate benefit from responsibility. See, it's just like people that focus uh, on money and they have no passion for their work. They're, uh, they're really throwing their future over a cliff. When they just focus on the money, they're literally just throwing their future over a cliff. People whose focus is on sex while avoiding the commitment and the reproduction is a people that are standing on the edge of destruction. You're standing on the edge of destruction. We're talking about benefit and responsibility. Okay? You can't separate the two. You can't separate the benefit from the responsibility. If you're going to have the benefits, you have a responsibility that goes along with it. And if you don't follow that, then there's destruction that's coming. Chaos. It will happen. It will ensue. Okay? So think about a society uh, in which people are interested in something for nothing. Think about it. Think about a society where they want to eat without effort and they want money without work. These kinds of people uh, would, would really tend to uh, value gambling. Can you think of a society that's like that? 
Does anything, does anything come to mind when you think about a people who are interested in getting something for nothing? Who are, who are interested in wanting money without working? See, see, these kind of people uh, would tend to value gambling, right? Because the ultimate dream of getting money for very little. Basically nothing when compared to what you might get. Wouldn't those kind of people dream of instant fame and fortune? Sure they would. They would, they would dream of instant fame and fortune. Why, well, I can think of a society that's even willing to make total fools of themselves on national TV, uh, uh, suffering humiliation uh, on, on the possibilities of becoming the next American idol. Right? Because, because we have a dream of getting something for nothing, nothing, instant fame and fortune without having to work for it. So would a society whose focus is more on sex and reproduction, wouldn't that society have a, have a growing number of abortions? Would you agree that, that a society that focuses more on sex then the reproduction would have a growing number of babies who were aborted. Societies that suffer from the spiritual disease of separating benefit and commitment. One that seeks sex but disregards the purpose and the reproduction. Would they run into economic difficulties as they begin to lack population? They begin to, to, to run into uh, uh, economic difficulties. Uh, did you know that many European countries have already reached a level where they fail to have enough children for replacement purposes? For this very reason? For this very purpose? You see, you've got to realize that replacement really isn't enough because uh, it takes more than two children to support two parents because those children have to support themselves as well. Okay, so it's not just a number of have this amount of, 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 of children to replace those that are dying off. Uh, and, and so here's the thing that a society that is like that, they, they say with, with a lot of approval, uh, almost with pride, that as society industrializes and society modernizes, then the birth rate has gone down. And that's what we hear, that the birth rate has went down. This is true. But can I tell you that I believe it's less likely to be a function of modernization and more because of the spiritual decline. Not because of modernization and techno, uh, technological advancement and uh, how our society has industrialized. Uh, see, it's easy to have sex. You say you talk about sex an awful lot because that's what's happening. That's, that's, that, that became the core here in the days of Noah. And unless you had your head in the mud or in quicksand, everything today is about sex. Everything leads to that in our world. Okay? So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's easy to have sex, which is the benefit. Right? It's a benefit. I'm not saying that sex is simple unless you do it outside of God's ordained covenant. Okay? 
If he could have sex, which is a benefit, but it's harder to raise great children and put them into a society to become great citizens. It's not easy to do that. It's easy. It's easy to 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 produce them, but it's not easy to raise them and to also put them into society to be great citizens. See, that's responsibility. And that's what's missing. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing in our culture over the last decades, two, three decades, at least the last two decades, okay? We've got to be committed to both the benefit and the responsibility if we're going to have a successful society. We've got to be committed to both of those, the benefit and the responsibility. See, the insight uh, taught by the two Lamechs is that sexual and economic immorality both lead to a downward spiral and eventually the two link up. See, think about it. Think about the two Lamechs and what they introduce. Uh, uh, the separation of sex and reproduction and then the, uh, working, uh, getting something for nothing, working a lot less but having equal, if not more. Well, eventually, uh, as you've seen that uh, both of those, uh, uh, the sexual and the economic immorality begin to decline, eventually the two are going to link up. You can't separate them. They come together. Look at it today. It's the same today. Okay, the two, the two are linked up. And this linkage comes to a head in Genesis 6 and 11. Let's look at Genesis 6 and 11. Excuse me. It says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So, the earth had been corrupt before God, and then the earth became filled with violence. Now, we've already said this, but we're going to say it uh, again tonight. The word for violence here in the Hebrew is the word Hamas. That's the Hebrew word for violence. Now, this, if you listen in to the news, when you think about the Middle East, that ought to be a familiar word to you. Because the Hamas is what is against God's people, the apple of his eye. So this word, it's Hamas in the Hebrew, uh, it, it is the word translated here as violence. It also means to make bare or to shake off. So it literally means to strip or to completely uh, take off or to shake off that. Now let's look at verse 12 in, in, in retrospect to verse 11. And it said, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So uh, uh, the earth had been corrupt, the Bible says, before God, and the earth became filled with violence. And the next verse says, God looked on the earth, and he saw all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. Now, we're, we're, we're really told two societal problems uh, that are hinted in these two verses. And even though they may seem to be unrelated, uh, they're really closely intertwined. 
because another definition of the word Hamas for violence is unjust gain or what we would call robbery. So when you, when you look at what was happening in verse 11, the earth was filled with violence. We think of guns and war and knives and all of those things, and that is violent behavior, and that is considered violence. But when we look at uh, how it's translated here, it literally is, uh, is translated uh, as unjust gain or robbery. So people were, uh, remember the mindset was that they, could, uh, they were entitled to have something for nothing. So that means if you had it, they felt like they deserved it. And so they felt free to just take it from you. We call it a thief. We call it robbery. We call it stripping you of this. So we see that this is really what's happening here. So, uh, uh, you know, understand that uh, once we have an entire generation, now think about this, we have an entire generation for the exception of Noah, his three sons, their three wives, and his wife. So for the exception of eight people, we have a whole generation devoted to gaining the benefit, which would be money, while dismissing the commitment, which is work, that eventually is going to turn to crime. And this is what was happening in the days of Noah. This is, this is what was taking place. Uh, what better way is there to earn money for no work? but to take it from somebody else. To steal it. Today, they steal stuff to sell it, to get money. So you don't even have to have cash anymore. It's just things. Right? It's, it's, it, it, it's our society. And so here's what you got to understand. We're not talking about uh, large amounts of theft, you know, like uh, robbing Fort Knox or robbing, uh, you know, a Brinks truck. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a culture where petty theft is going on all of the time. So it's happening all the time. Better hide your purse, better lock your door, better, doesn't matter where you live now, you better lock your car door. You can't leave this, you can't, you better not walk away from your phone or from your purse. You better not lay your wallet down in the store no matter where you're at, right? Because people will steal. It's the mindset, it's the culture. Because they, they want uh, something for nothing and they feel that even though it's not your fault, that society owes it to them in a sense. So it really is not that big of a deal. If it's just a, a something that's only worth $30, that's not really that much for you to replace. But your tail end didn't work for it. Thieves sick me off. I had a hard time with thieves. Okay, so... So, but that's the mindset, and they think nothing of it. So, understand that this is nothing new. This was going on in the days of Noah, all right? And it was uh, so widespread that uh, there isn't even an attempt to prosecute or prevent it. They don't even do anything about it anymore. They don't. don't do it again to call the police because they wouldn't they, they follow the report yourself. Follow the report online yourself. More than likely, you're never going to get it back, but go ahead and do it. That's how they think about it. It's a waste of our time. Because it happens so much, and in their eyes it's so petty, right? But to you, 
You work for that. That's yours. Right? That's uh, your benefit because you follow through with your responsibility. Right? But that's the, that's the, that's the catch. That's what's happening uh, today, and it was happening in the days of Noah. So now, what about verse 12? So we see in verse 11, pull 11 up one more time for me, please. And again, so now we see that uh, this violence, there's a lot of crime and a lot of petty theft. And so, you know, think about it, the same the same concept. So now we're eating and drinking. I think about people being drunk, people being intoxicated, people being, uh, you know, where I talked about people taking women and having their way with women and that mindset. So put all of that together and take a whole generation. Now remember, Noah raised his sons to be different, but everybody else was raising their sons and daughters with this mindset. So everyone else had this mindset. This is why Noah and his family, no doubt, were mocked and were probably scorned and were probably persecuted and were probably made fun of. Okay? So so keep that in mind. So now we see that uh, in verse 11, we have one, one societal issue right there. Right? Violence. Uh, stripping people. Taking off. Completely shaking off what belongs to them. Uh, unjust gain, robbery, petty theft. Now, let's go to verse 12, okay? And again, we already told you that these two verses, when you look at them in the Hebrew, they seem unrelated, but they're really intertwined because of what we already know came down uh, from the two Lamechs. And then God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. You're going, duh, Right? But God looked at it, and it was corrupt. But what did God see? He saw all flesh. All flesh. Now notice that. All basar. He didn't say all men or all people. He said all flesh. They corrupted it his way upon the earth. So in other words, they were doing things that should have never even entered their mind. But that shows us that when we yield to the base flesh, which is nothing less than an animal instinct, when you act in the flesh, you act like an animal. The only difference between us and an animal is the gift of speech. We've been given the gift of speech. That's one of the main differences between us and an animal. So when you act like an animal, when you act like a beast, when you act like a piece of of meat, you're going to reap. And you're going to get treated like such. And that's what God saw. God saw when he looked on the earth that everybody was doing anything that came to mind. If it felt good, let's do it. Now remember, they'd already, they'd already given, given, had no regards for husband and wife for marriage. The home had no core value. The family unit was a mere memory. There was violence, crime, rape, murder. You've got to understand there would have been incest. There would have been molestation. 
there would have been all of these kinds of things that in our minds we think uh, the Bible doesn't speak about it, but when you look at the, the, the true translation and you begin to look at, the, at how we have been, you see that there's nothing new today under the sun. Nothing is happening today other than by the means by which it's happening and the availability and the ability is, is much different. So uh, now let's look at that, that verse and think about that. Uh, during this time, the sexual immorality legacy of Lamech A, which was Naamah's father or Noah's father-in-law, is also doing really well. So we see in verse 11, Noah's father's immorality of, of having the benefit of money without working has now declined to nothing but violence and crime. To where people are, people are doing whatever they feel like they have to or they can. They are entitled to that. It is just like today. Just like today. And they had no fear. No respect for humanity. No respect for mankind. And you've got that side of the world telling us as covenant believers that we have no love when in fact it's the polar opposite. Because what they're doing how they're treating their bodies, how they are, how they are regarding uh, humanity and mankind is treating them as nothing but a piece of meat, a piece of flesh. No regards for their existence here on this earth, but yet we are the ones that don't love people. Think about it. Think about it. It really is the, the, the polar opposite. So, uh, we, we, we see that uh, this sexual immorality, this legacy of Lamech A now is doing really well. That grew, now think about this, that grew from people wanting the benefit of sex without the commitment of raising good children. No big deal. Pray it again. No big deal. And I'm not being, I'm not being... Snarky, I'm not. I'm trying to help you to understand that why things are happening today is because that's what was happening in the days of Noah, and we celebrate it. We celebrate sin like it's nothing. You understand what I'm? You understand what I'm saying? So, ancient Jewish wisdom. And the, the, uh, from the ancient manuscripts, they point out here that this word here, the, the, the word here in verse 12, alludes to a very interesting sociological development. I mean, as we already said, that things didn't just happen overnight. You know, uh, you know when, when, when Lamech, uh, when Nama's father decided to have two wives, he wanted one for the pleasure and the other for raising the kids. When he decided to do that, there were people like, dude, that's smart. Wow, that's a good idea. 
You know, today we're going, ding dong, you crazy. Right? But, eventually, so, you know, it took years before people began to see the chaos that ensued by that one decision that affected generation after generation after generation. <coughs> to where the last ten generations uh, uh, with Noah that began, that saw the final decline. So this points to a very interesting sociological development. So here is where, where we're going to pause and tell you what ancient Jewish wisdom teaches based on this, uh, this scripture here and based on the, uh, the ancient manuscript that uh, back then people had started solemnizing marriages between men. What? So they were already, men were already marrying men in the days of Noah. Nothing new. So you think, oh, you know, surely God, this is something he's never seen before. No, he saw it before in the days of Noah. Now, my personal opinion, my personal opinion, I don't think it was as relevant with women, as far as women marrying women, as it is today, because today women have taken on the roles of men because of fathers missing. Come on. And all of these things. So then you find, and because of the abuse and because of of a mistreatment, then they turn to women. Okay, so I, this is my personal opinion, just because of, of the mindset of men and the culture then, but men felt like they could do whatever they want. But it didn't mean that men, even if men married other men, it didn't mean that they still weren't, still didn't have their way with women. That's what you got to understand. That this was so. So ancient Jewish wisdom teaches now, and you're just gonna understand. See, some of this stuff that we're talking about, this is taught to young children from their parents yep. as they're being raised. So as they're sitting around and and being taught, and they're going to, uh, you know, they're going to Jewish school, of course, uh, but they're being taught. The, the Torah and the scriptures, this is brought out to them. This is said to these young kids that men were marrying men back then. Now think about a child going, well, today they don't have to. Today they have to ask, what do you mean? You know, Leighton's at the age where she started to ask, What's that mean? How can that be? Because it's everywhere. It's not just on TV or, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And because it is, is, it is seen as acceptable culturally, anyhow, I'm not saying that everyone does, but culturally it is seen as accepted. So, why would we be surprised that men were marrying men back then? After following Lamech's original decision, what's the most obvious manifestation of having the benefit of sex without having the responsibility of children but homosexuality? 
What's the ultimate? You wouldn't have to worry about a 50-50 chance. Right? This is why, and I try to explain to people, this is why, and based again, based on based on scripture and based on context throughout the whole Bible. This is why this is why the Bible calls homosexuality an abomination because it cancels out reproduction. It cancels the and I know you say, well, we can adopt no Not saying on adoption or anything, but I'm saying that's a justification. That's an excuse. Okay, that's why it's an abomination because it cancels, it curses God's original design for man and woman. Multiply, be fruitful, and bring increase in the earth. Okay, that's why it's an abomination. Before the eyes of God, it's not that it's any any worse sin than 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 any other sin. It's because it nullifies nullifies God's purpose. He chose us to be co-creators with Him. Okay, so you know what what greater manifestation of having the benefit of sex without responsibly raising children than homosexuality, and that's why. Homosexuals and, and, and that culture, uh, you know, they con- contemptuously refer to heterosexuals as breeders. They, they will call heterosexuals breeders, and they do it with contempt. Why would they call heterosexual breeders? Why such a word? We call dogs and rabbits breeders. We breed animals, not people. Do you get that? Do you see? Do you see the how that connection is there though, and that mindset? Because again, it's that benefit, uh, and and of course today it's called love. <coughs> Love's a choice. You can fall in love with a tree star if you choose to. That's a God's honest truth. Even though it could not love you back, you could be. You could get to the place where your love for that tree star was real. So love is a choice. That's why that's why you got to choose to love your spouse. When they're unlovable, when they're unlikable. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, you know, we don't that, that's not an issue, right? But that's why that's why marriage is work. It doesn't just it doesn't just automatically happen. You have to Work at it. That's why when you fall out of love, you can fall back in love if you choose to. Right. Yep. Okay? You just have to do things to allow yourself to love. Anyway, I'm getting off of that. Do you understand? <laughs> so, now think about this. After society has gone through popularizing birth control, then it popularizes abortion. So after after the idea of birth control is 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 popularized, then the idea of just just destroying the baby before it's even born becomes an option. And now it's all the way up until that baby is full term. It's all the way up until that. 
I can't fathom a human soul, especially a mother, witnessing a child being born and watching that child's life be taken. But you know how that happens? Because flesh has corrupted. They have gotten to a place that culture, our society, generation after generation has consistently declined to the point to where it's acceptable. To where now it's even legal. To where it's there's no punishment for it. Do you understand? You see that? So, so after birth control becomes popular, then it's abortion. So now, all this is going, and all this going effort is to destroy the link between sex and reproduction. Think about it. That's all that amounts to is to destroy the link between sex and reproduction. Now it's not you can't have your you, you can have your cake, right? It's, it's different now. So so the whole effort and the whole idea is to is to separate and to destroy that link. What's next? What comes after? So so if we if we popularize birth control, now I'm trying to get you to think about a society that would do that. So if we popularize birth control, and then we popularize abortion, and you say it's pretty harsh to say it's popularized. No, it isn't. Because it is. And sadly enough, and, I, and, and I'm, not, I'm not, please understand, anyone in here that has experienced it, I'm not, I'm not degrading you. I'm helping you to understand where we are in our culture, okay? To where now women are prideful about it. They boast of the fact. So after you popularize birth control, then you popularize abortion, and both of these, right, are all about destroying the link between what? Sex and reproduction. You say, this is supposed to be Bible study. You've said sex 50 times tonight. I'll say it 50 more. I can, I can feel somebody. I can feel that. So uncomfortable. So, it's destroying this link, right? So now it's a separate thing. If you don't want this, there's ways to get around it. And if you mess up, then there's ways to get rid of it. And it's okay, right? So if birth control is popularized and then abortion is popularized, what's next?
homosexuality. And this is where we are now. And that's the end. That's, a, that's, a, that's as debased as you can go. Because then you begin to, to experience things of the flesh, experiment in ways that you would have never dreamed of, but God has seen it all. So I will tell you, this began in the 60s, right? This started in the 70s and 80s. Now, here we are. This was the final one in the days of Noah. It can get worse, but not a whole lot. Before God says, okay, judgment time is here. Now, 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 Elohim is on the throne. Judgment is in the, it already in progress. Okay? Elohim is there. But those of us, right, who are in relationship with him through Jesus Christ, who are ready and, 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 and doing what we're supposed to do, we're living by the mercies of God. And we're, we're, we're in that ark. Okay? So now, that's the ultimate separation. Because two men and two women never have to worry about that happening. So they'll never have to deal with either of these. Right? So that feels like, well, at least I'm not killing babies. Right? At least, at least, at least it's within the walls of our home. Right? You hear all of that. Well, at least we're just... It's just the two of us. We have, I say, with one partner, right? We're hearing all of that. So, so, so let, me, let me tell you that we're as far as we can go in the, in the basar. All we can do is, 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 is just keep going in that. But that is it. So this is the ultimate separation of sex and reproduction. Now, that's all completely predictable once you understand the meaning of this section of scripture. So now you can look at this and it's like you're like, why? Well, duh. You should anyway, especially if you've been here and you've got to listen to to uh, all of the, the the lessons and all of the things that we did. And if you have it, you can go back. They're all on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can go back and listen to those. And I encourage you to, okay, uh, to to get the the full gist of it, but but so now you know now we're here to where this is popular, to where you have to you really have to shelter your child. Right? You you want to just like to where from from the high courts of our government it's celebrated. And it's, 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 it's considered it's considered normal. Yep. And if you don't embrace the normalcy of it, then you're not all-inclusive. When mercy includes everybody, but grace doesn't, grace only is inclusive to those who live in his mercy. Understand that we have, we have to accept that grace. So, uh, you know, uh, 
again, we need, we need to, to point out that the Bible is not pointing now. Understand that the Bible is not pointing at any one person committing acts of homosexuality. Saying, oh, there goes this uh, rogue that's trying to separate sex and production. Oh, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to, they're trying to get, they're trying to separate that because most of them are not even aware of it. So the Bible's not, you know, pointing out, oh, there goes, there goes one, that, you know, that, that, that degenerate, that road. They're not even aware of it. The point is, is that society as a whole moves toward the separation of sex and reproduction. Society as a whole. And everything that has went has caused this downward spiral. And it's where we are now. Society as a whole will experience an increase in the number of people drawn to the lifestyle of homosexuality. And we're seeing it today. To now where they're allowed to raise families under that deception that this is okay, this is acceptable. And it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. God didn't design anyone to live this lifestyle. He didn't do that, just like he didn't ordain for any child to be sucked out of its mother's womb. He didn't, he didn't ordain that. That's not his will. So, again, once again, in the final analysis, you know, straying off of the path of God's direction in either the sexual or the economic arena ends up leading to chaos and eventually destruction. Yeah. Let me tell you, this is where we are right now. We are at the place. We are literally at the end of a cycle as we saw in the days of Noah. And Jesus said it, not me. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So we have to be close, even to where it's represented in, in the religious culture, in our government, in, our, in the education, in every area of society. And so... Now we don't even think about this, right? This is still, you know, for those of, for those that that believe, you know, in life and hold the value of life. But there are so many people that don't think twice about embracing this is acceptable. They don't even think twice. That doesn't matter to them. But it should matter to us, right? So it, it, it eventually ends up leading to chaos and eventually destruction. Here, in, in Noah's instance, it's it, the destruction by water. Do you ever wonder why? Why water? Why, why a flood? You know, the, the crime was actually complete immorality. That was pervading every aspect of life, right? So think about that. You know, that was the immorality, whether it was economic or sexual, 
was pervading every aspect of life at this time. Same as it is today. The same as it is now. Right? One of the biggest differences now is that things are being set up for the system, for the Antichrist, for the judgment to be set. See, we, we, unlike those in the days of Noah, we know judgment's coming. And we know there's a penalty for not serving God. We know there's a penalty for stepping outside of the bounds of God's blueprint for life. And that's judgment. We know there's a penalty that if we get left out of here, but there's a penalty. Okay? So, so we, there's a difference there now. Things are being set up. So, so when we see that complete immorality, I, I don't think we grasp in our minds the, 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 the gravity of the immorality and the sin that was prevalent in there in the days of Noah. Um, there's, there's something that science has documented it's called, um, they call it the Lady Macbeth Syndrome. And I'm not a Shakespeare person, so I'm going to act like I do. And I don't even know anything about the story, but I just know that reading about the Lady Macbeth Syndrome. But those of you that do, you may relate. But evidently, Lady Macbeth felt guilty in Shakespeare's writing. She felt guilty about her role in the death of her husband, and she was constantly trying to wash his blood off of her head. She was constantly trying to wash away the stain of his blood off of her hands. And so this is called the Lady Macbeth syndrome. To where guilt pervades and the understanding of trying to constantly uh, get rid of the stain of your crime or your sin. Uh, and evidently, uh, in Adolf Hitler's biography, he as well was obsessed with washing and showering. And so, so we see that, uh, that really most human beings sense when they're acting immorally and we really down deep inside because of the way God created us, we yearn for a cleansing. We yearn for that to be washed off. So, so you know, that's why for us, uh, a lot of times within the church, the enemy has people so wrapped up in that that they're constantly trying to do things to not feel guilty before God because they feel the need to wash it away when, when the blood of Jesus has already washed the sin of their sin away. And they have no need to feel guilty. Okay? So, so you know, the punishment in Noah's time was to flood the world with water, which could have been God's way of purifying it. Could have been God's way of washing away all of the sin, washing away all of the all, all of the, the filth and the uh, the deprivation and uh, the gravity of of the sin and the flesh. He said, "All flesh had corrupted the earth." So, you know, in Judaism, we call that uh, uh, mikvah. You've heard me if you any of you that's been around enough have heard me say this word plenty of times. Mikvah means immersion. We always call it baptism. Right? The mikvah. That's the whole concept in Judaism of, of a mikvah. It's a means of spiritual purification. 
That's why, that's why Jews are baptized every year. Because it is a washing away of the year's stuff. It's a washing away, it's a purifying and a washing away of, of the stuff. So when you walk in the earth, you, you know, you, things, things land on you when you walk in the world, right? You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. So, so, you know, when Jesus came, of course, it became a sign of ultimate choosing of spiritual purification and sanctification through his blood and a relationship with him. This is how they will know you are a Christian, a Christian, how you are a follower of Jesus is because this is one of the signs, and that's being baptized. It doesn't save you, and it doesn't lock you in for eternity. If you were baptized at eight, and you had lived like a heathen up to this point, that water did nothing to secure your eternity with God. Okay? And so... That's why it's important to understand. So, so you know, it, it's, a, it's a means of spiritual purification. So, you know, one could think that this is why God chose water. Um, and, you know, he said he would never destroy the earth by flood again. Now, listen, that's, that's mercy. Because any time, because think about it. If God had never said that, every time <laughs> flood waters rise, people would be like, There'd be lots of churches opening, people being crying out, praying, right? Carrying the cross, all kinds of stuff, right? Because, oh, Lord, it's happening again, okay? <laughs> and, and, and he said, you know, we saw a rainbow uh, uh, Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we saw a, a, a rainbow. Of course, the van stopped right in the middle of the country road. And took pictures of it. Like, psych that. She didn't pull off the side of the road. She just sucked. And it, it, was, it was really one of the most rounded shaped rainbows that I've, that I've ever seen. And it was literally like it just, anyhow. And it was, the, 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 the colors were really wide. So, you know, God said, That'll be your sign that it won't happen again. So, you know, every time you see a rainbow, you're like, right? It's a sign of God's promise. Okay? And, and so, uh, again, uh, you know, God, God choosing uh, to do that. And so, um, as, we, as we get... We're getting to the final aspects of the story of Noah, right? He's on the ark now. Jeremy say he's on the ark. He's on the ark. So he's on the ark now. So, you know, we know that he only stayed on the ark for a certain amount of time, but then he exited the ark. So, you know, we're getting to that place in the story of Noah and the flood to where uh, we're going to get to where the flood is over. You know, all of the stuff that let up. We see you're getting a picture now, right? You got a picture, hopefully, of what the world was doing, what was happening in the earth, for God to look down and say, and just think about it. God knew 
But over 120 years, now think about how worse and how far it went over 120 years. And God gave them 120 years. Now think of that and how far it went and how, how low, how bad, how, how deep. And, you know, don't let your imagination, I start to say, you know, you can imagine it, but don't do that. Don't start imagining how far this can go. Okay? Our, our world has given access to where now, you know, our young kids can access this on the internet and they can see how, how far it will take you and the sin. And so, and that's what I mean by the difference in now and then. The accessibility and the, the, the quickness and how much more quickly the depravity can set in. Because once you get a picture, if, you, if, you've ever, if you've ever had a problem with pornography, listen to the young people. If you've ever had a problem with pornography, I have. Okay, you know, I've, I've told you that before. Okay, those pictures are the hard, those images are the hardest thing to get out of your mind. Yep. And you think that, you forget about it, but you don't. It's only by the, the blood of Jesus, your consistency, your resistance, that those images eventually disappear. Okay, so once those are burned in there, it's like a, it's like a video, it's like a picture. And so that's where your mind and your heart begins to go there in your mind, and that's when you begin to commit adultery in your heart, as Jesus said, you begin to sin in your heart. And when you sin in your heart, you may as well do it outwardly in the body. It's the same spiritually. So that's why you've got to get this and this connected to the word, right? And keep it sanctified and keep it renewed every day, okay? So that it, 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 it stays there. It's not an automatic. You know, it doesn't it doesn't come automatically. Sin does. You don't have to think twice about how to sin. It comes natural. Serving Jesus doesn't come natural. Right? It's it's, it's you've got to get your spirit. So, you know, we're getting there now that the flood is over. So, you know, now we can look ahead and we can uh, look ahead to where after Noah exits the ark, exits the ark. And then God provides Noah with some laws to live by. God begins to give Noah some things uh, to live by. And of course, things for his sons. And then his sons and their children. And their children and their children, right? You get that. God's like, get it. That's how it works. You know, you, you, you keep. And we can look ahead, but we can see later in Genesis that this proves to be insufficient. Uh, as God calls Abraham, he needs to call Abraham to come out, right? And begin to secure now a covenant with him so that he does not destroy his people again. So we see that that, that proves to be insufficient. So as I, as I come to a uh, close for, for this evening, this kind of raises a question. Why, uh, why did God give Adam and Eve so little guidance when they were in the garden? 
Why didn't God give Adam and Eve the Ten Commandments? Why didn't God give Adam and Eve say, here's a list of do's and don'ts? Here's the thing. If you, if you follow the do's, the don'ts are never an issue. Our problem is, is we focus so much and we've religiously been taught to focus on the don'ts that we don't pay attention to the do's. If you follow the do's, the don'ts are really not that big of an issue. It's when you focus on, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, that you forget about what you can't do. So when you follow the do's, right? And, and, and so, so why, why didn't God give Adam and Eve, uh, why did he give them so little guidance? Why didn't he just give them the Ten Commandments and just maybe Eve would have not subjected herself to the temptation. I don't know, but we'll explore this in next week's time unless we'll, we'll explore that why the possibility that maybe God gave them so little guidance uh, in the garden. And uh, here's the thing. We've got the Ten Commandments. We've got the 300 and the other 306. <laughs> We've got all the promises. We've got the blood of Christ. We've got the witness of the sacrifice. We've got the Holy Ghost. And we still struggle. And we still struggle. We still struggle to get it right. Okay? But thank God that when we stay in the mercies of Yahweh, when we stay in the ark of Adonai, he will keep us through the storms when we fall, when we fail, when we miss the mark, when we don't get it quite right. He doesn't throw us out. But once Noah was sealed in there, God's the one that shut the door. Once God shut the door, Noah was in there till the flood was over. So understand that. That's what grace gives us. Grace gives us the opportunity to stay in his mercies. We don't, not everybody, not everybody stays in his mercies. Now I'm telling you, because they don't walk in grace. When you walk in grace, grace gives you the opportunity to stay in the mercies of God. So grace doesn't throw us off the boat. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that that, that grace doesn't just toss us out of the boat? But when, when we're when we're saved by his mercies. Grace gives us the opportunity. But there's going to come a time when that opportunity is not going to be there. And that's when we that's what we don't know when it's going to happen. That's why we've got to be ready and understand. So hopefully you've got a little bit of uh, awareness and understanding. And it ought to give you a little bit more mercy and grace for some of these people who are stuck in this generational deception and depravity. Right? It should. To where we don't love the sin, but we love God's choice of creating them. We love them because they are God's creation. Okay? 
That's what I'm talking about. On that side, they're not doing that. But they think we're the ones that have no love because we choose to live. So, there's nothing you can do to, 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 to make yourself any more better for God except repentance, walking in submission, yielding yourself, and singing the mercies of God. There's no works that you do. There's nothing you, you can do to undo that. His grace and mercy. We do things to step outside of the boundaries of that and never ran our own hands. But understand me that we are now at the end of this chain. And there's not a whole lot, lot farther that flesh can go before God says, it's time. Okay? And he's going to do all that he's doing to keep the apple of his eye, his people, from being utterly destroyed. And give them the opportunity to find that grace and that mercy. Amen? I appreciate you. Thank you very much for your attention tonight. Uh, and uh, for Hopefully you, you're gaining some understanding and uh, I know that the, the, the studies are different than a regular service and again, I feel like that uh, it's essential for us and you know, uh, some some pastors would frown on, on me doing this this extent because it's not all super spiritual stuff, right? But it's about our spirit. It's what it's about. Amen? All right. Stand with us, don't forget. Sunday morning, we have family Bible training, 10 o'clock, worship at 11. It's the last day of 2023. Somebody say, yippee. Hallelujah, amen. I'm ready for that year to be in the books, right? To close to close the, 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 the chapter on 2023. Amen. Don't forget, uh, Kinfolk Coffee uh, truck will be here at 9 o'clock. Not until then, you can see the menu online. Yes, do not bring your coffee and such into the sanctuary. We'll have uh, a basement opportunity to do that. You can finish it in the foyer, uh, or we will lock you out. Matt Gorman. So I need, some, I need security to be on top of the big bowl. All right. We appreciate you. I do very much. I love you guys. Uh, thank you again for your attention for being here tonight. And uh, they're going to blast the shofar. We want you to lift your hands, honor God, give him a shout of praise for all he's done. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you.